I'm Danny Levy, and this is the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. Today, we kick off our series with Love Benito, a brand that shed its former blog shop image and is now a 200-strong retail business. Love Benito has built a reputation that embodies quality and individuality, rivaling international names such as Zara and H&M. Love Benito's ambition is to become the Asian female brand of the future, thoughtful, considerate, truly omnichannel, and a representation of new female retail. One of the key players in this story is Dion Song, who joined the company about three years ago, right around the same time it launched its first physical retail stores. Today, they have 15 stores across the region while also shipping internationally and continue to break new ground as a homegrown brand, both externally and internally. Dion has transformed the company and positioned it for broad global expansion. So what has the journey to build the Asian female brand of the future been like so far? We'll hear some answers and a whole lot more when we chat with today's guest, Dion Song, Chief Commercial Officer at Love Bonito. It's coming up next. Dion Song, welcome to the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. Hey, Danny. Um, thank you so much for having me on today. No, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. So, Dion, just to kick us off, you've occupied senior leadership positions at Zalora, Sephora, and Love Bonito. <clears throat> Can you share what it takes to be a successful leader? Yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I've, I've never actually been um, a natural leader. So it never yeah. came easily nor naturally for me, right? I was always the bad egg in school, um, have grown up a rebel of sorts. Um, but I think perhaps this was what helped me when I got my first leadership position at Zalora. So I started off first um, then, right? I think in 20, that was in 2012, uh, managing mm-hmm. the website team. You know, and okay. I why I was given a managerial position, um, then fresh out of school. Um, that I don't know, probably a mistake, but thank you so much to my boss then. Um, but, you know, in my first 12 months, as I recall, what made me um, stand out as a young leader mm. was that I always dared to speak my mind um, and dared to go against the grade. And I think it's important when you're starting your career out as a leader or just as an individual, right? Of course, depending on the yeah. senior executives above you. But in my case, it was appreciated, right? The ability to be bold, be creative, think beyond status quo um, and mobilize change. And then with my team then, um, you know, eight years ago, right? I was a commander in my managerial approach. I managed the workflow well, um, did a lot of delegation, was able to build an efficient army of sorts. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, right, over the years, um, as I stepped into more senior leadership positions, you know, you Mm -hmm. see that and you notice that requirements actually change, right? And perspectives also Mm -hmm. change. I've learned that it's not just about leading by command, right? To me, today, successful leadership means the ability to build Um, and inspire autonomous and motivated leaders and teams who can go Mm. autopilot, right, and flourish without your intervention. And instead of being the one with the ideas in a room, you do a lot more listening and aim to enable and equip your teams with the tools, resources, and sometimes actually the, you know, just the autonomy, right, getting out of the way Mm. um, so that they can Mm. come up with better ideas, even better ones than you would have thought of yourself. Um, yeah. And I think to me, successful leadership in a nutshell means leading with passion, empathy, yep. um, compassion, clarity, and courage. And I don't think at all, right, I have mastered it yet by any means. And, and how do you get your team to, to step out of their comfort zone? I mean, sometimes, you know, teams like to work in their silos. You know, they don't often talk to each other. I think as leaders, they always want to tell us, you know, everything's okay. 
even when it's not. So, you know, how, how do you get your teams to really go above and beyond and, and make sure that you're not having to micromanage like you, like you just mentioned? Yeah, so, so for us, actually, we try to promote a very collaborative um, approach, right? Um, mm. And I think that's something that we really pride ourselves for. And a lot of sort of yeah. senior executives coming in, that's the first thing they notice, that teams actually do talk, right? Departments do talk. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think it starts for us always with, you know, thinking about the framework and structure that you've set up for the organization. Yeah. You're asking yourself questions like, are KPIs, are OKRs aligned, right? Are there things actually that are conflicting, for instance? Um, and if you try to build a structure that's also harmonious, um, that has all these things in place, then actually um, teams do naturally start working very well together in that sense. Yeah. Mm. And I think for us, actually, at Love Bonito, one of our, our key value, right, is actually mm. um, better together, right? So essentially, okay. it, is, it is that value that promotes, you know, togetherness, it promotes, you know, unity, it promotes teamwork in that sense. And is there anything you look for bringing a new hire? What do you recruit for? Yeah, so we, we do recruit for definitely, I think, people who can be great team players, right, mm -hmm. um, to that point. Um, because I, I think it's it's easy to find, you know, people who are smart enough, right? Who have mm. the um, aptitude to be doing the job, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't want sort of, you know, sometimes, I guess, too many cooks in a room, right? You need people who can work well with each other. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we do recruit for that. Um, another thing, I guess, we're, we're always constantly on the lookout for would be just that pure passion and energy, right? You need to yeah. have that passion for the job, right? You need to mm -hmm. come into the room your eyes are sparkling with the energy, right? You're walking with, mm. you know, that passion and that zest for life. Um, and I think that's something that we really value. And it's something that you can't train, right, yeah. over time. Yeah. You can train everything else, but unless you've got that passion, you know, it's very difficult to bring yeah. it out in people. Yeah, yeah. precisely. Yeah. yeah. And so what has it felt like for you as a leader to help Love Bonito build a reputation over the last few years that now rivals some, you know, some pretty big brands, you know, Zara, H&M, to name a few? Yeah, I, I was a little um, I was a little flattered when I heard your your introduction, right, Danny? Um, yeah. I mean, glad glad that you sing that. Um, I'm sure the team would be delighted to to hear that. Um, but I I don't think we're there yet, right? Um, where we're saying, hey, you know, we're rivaling the likes of Zara, H and M. Um, I think it's been a whirlwind of a journey for us over the last three years, where we've mm -hmm. been growing by leaps for sure, right? As a brand, from where we were before, expanding across the regions, um, deepening our roots in Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Cambodia, uh, most mm. recently as well with Trout Hong Kong, right? And yep. then on top of that, we have our international e-commerce that actually ships globally. Um, mm -hmm. And in addition to, to really growing the geographies, we've expanded our categories as well, right? Quite strategically in the last couple of years, right? So into kids, maternity. Um, most recently, actually, in light of COVID, um, we've actually launched mm. loungewear, right? Just to take advantage okay. of the whole work from home situation. Um, I think we're still honestly scratching the surface here, right? When it comes to, hey, what it means to be a big retailer. Um, and by no means, again, right, are at the scale of ZR and H&M. And actually, I think what's interesting is that I don't think we're actually gunning for that. I think our purpose mm. as a brand has always been to empower women um, to be yep. the best versions of themselves. So what this means is that we see ourselves as a role model, right? And a big sister of a brand that's here to inspire our community. Um, and then this means also, I think for us, right? It means not expanding just by opening new doors, right? It's more than that. For us, it's not mm -hmm. just about retailing clothes. Um, it's a lot deeper, right? We want to build a reputation for being the brand that truly understands what being a modern Asian woman is. And this means, you know, through the, through the tangibles, right? Sure, like clothes accessories, new categories to come and that we're going to be launching every couple of months, right? But 
in addition to that, it's also about the intangibles, the content, the community mm. outreach, right? The engagement that we do. I think that's a brand that we aspire to be. And what kind of work do you do in the community? Uh, you're talking about engagement here. Any, anything specific that you're doing in the community at the moment? Yeah, so, so we, do, we do a couple of different things, right? I think on a usual mm. basis, we're running um, community workshops, right? For all of our mm-hmm. you know, customers, members. They can bring a friend, a BFF. Um, everything from, let's say, fashion-related styling workshops to panels for students mm-hmm. right, who are going okay. into the workplace, or yeah. even things for working mothers, for instance. Um, and then today, I guess, in light of COVID, again, we're taking all of this quite virtually, right? So we can do, mm. you know, we can do the same thing on IGTV, right? Still have the mm-hmm. same interviews, right? Still offer the same sort of educational content um, to our mm. communities. Yeah, I guess at the moment as well, being able to move online and still have that, that touch point with the community is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, mm. I think that's where we really benefited, right? I think being an omni-channel brand, right? Being a digitally native brand, um, yep. it hasn't been too much of a change as well for us. So we're very easily able to, to sort of pivot and adjust accordingly. And, and obviously, you mentioned omni-channel there. Love Benito has really built a reputation as an absolutely <laughs> awesome omni-channel brand but yeah. but in your opinion you know what what's what's the secret source to omni-channel success yeah I, I know we keep we keep talking about it right in a lot of different <laughs> panels and talks yeah. actually for for this for this podcast i actually googled right to be honest i guess the definition mm. of omni-channel as well yeah. right because i think we seldom sort of talk about that right and maybe mm. we all sort of understand it in very different ways um and i think i think put simply it means you know providing and integrating different methods of um, shopping for consumers, mm-hmm. right? So for us, I think at Love Bonito, we take this sort of a step further, right? It's about yep. really providing and integrating the most thoughtful experience for our customers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key, right? It's not about fancy technology, right? Omnichannel technology. It's not about, you know, fancy hardware or systems. Um, it's about mm-hmm. really just being as relevant um, with the times for consumers, right? So I think the industry has always been talking about omnichannel um, and I think in the COVID times of today, right, I think the definition um, yep. of what it means to be omnichannel is actually changing drastically as we speak, right? It's mm. less about omnichannel experiences and touch points in physical stores, right? Because mm-hmm. I think your stores are not even operating today. Um, and, and it's less about, you know, fulfillment and collection for customers as well. Again, given situations, right, with the lockdowns mm. and circuit breakers. Um, and instead, you know, I think omnichannel, at least in today's, terms right and and Mm. maybe in the next you know one two months it means leveraging your inventory well for instance Mm -hmm. across platforms right being able and being able to provide for e-commerce customers perhaps what retail stores used to do right Mm -hmm. can we make up for the tactile sort of experiences right can we provide better descriptions on our website right so that someone doesn't need to touch the products to understand hey how the fabric could actually feel like can we Mm. actually provide better guides can we provide Um, better styling assistance to customers who in the past perhaps had to try on again right the products in the fitting rooms Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think that that is sort of the definition also of omni-channel today and how it's really evolving. Interesting and 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 I guess now with COVID-19 you touched on it a bit I mean do you think that the the most important points within omni-channel are changing like like you touched on I mean obviously there's more strain now on on the workforce Mm -hmm. there's more strain now on the supply chain um, you know, what does Omnichannel really look like at the moment? Yeah, I think it's about, you know, I think for retailers, it's about just leveraging, you know, the sort of mm. infrastructure that you have yeah. um, to make the best, right, out of, out of business, right, to ensure that, you know, business can continue um, seamlessly as well, right? Mm. So I, I think for us, again, it goes back to, to really sort of, you know, managing the inventory, right, 
mm-hmm. you're thinking about how do you adjust, you know, inventory very well, right? Between now the offline platforms versus the online platforms, right? Yep. Are you calling back inventory from the stores, right? Yep. Are you doing that quickly enough across markets, for instance? Is it maybe a question of centralizing, right? More of your inventory in the central warehouses, perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of having a very decentralized um, warehouse um, infrastructure. Right, mm. especially given again, right, very different scenarios depending on which country you're in, right? There are lockdown situations that are far more serious, for instance, in Malaysia, right, in Philippines. So maybe mm. it doesn't make sense to have to have it decentralized. Um, I think it's all about that, right? And I think for us, especially mm. when it comes to um, just COVID nineteen and, and managing mm. the the teams and operations, right? Of course, I think it's it's not easy, right? I think it's really really challenging. You know, you mm-hmm. have to be nimble. Um, you have to adjust. You have to pivot, right? Just mm. nonstop, right? Whenever it's necessary, um, you're retweaking your launch plans, right? You're reallocating your inventory. And I think most importantly, apart from that, right? When you think about the frontline staff, for instance, it's about providing for your employees and for your teams, right? Mm. Can you quickly reallocate resources and teams mm. as well, right? To, to move them to perhaps business units that make more sense um, in today's time. Um, so I think there's just a lot of moving parts. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not easy, of course. Um, yeah. And, and and as we're on the topic of COVID nineteen, you know, obviously the the impact's been felt here in here in Singapore and across Asia since early January. Um, you know, things are things are escalating now in Singapore. Uh, what does it look like on the front lines for you as a business at the moment? And and is there anything you think we need to know about COVID nineteen? Yeah, so I think again, it's it's not not the easiest of times. Right. So I think for us, it's just about constant adjustment, right? Just being as nimble as possible um, mm. and then retweaking and refining our plans, right? As much as we can. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, right? Really sort of just adjusting as quickly as possible and being there for the teams, right? I think that's, that's sort of like the most important bit. Um, and mm-hmm. I think as, as leaders in, in the organization, I think where we come in and what we can do, right? I think it's to be as transparent as possible, right? I think to be as honest as possible also when it comes to our communications. Mm. Um, and then also just being as preemptive as possible, right? Yeah. So I think for us, you know, personal experience as well, looking back the last couple of weeks, um, you know, yeah, I think there were moments where could we have maybe articulated ourselves clearer, you know, to, mm-hmm. to our employees and to the teams? Yes, right? I think we could have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in the last couple of weeks, we've really tried as well, right? To just up the cadence of communication, Right. Mm-hmm. And I think in this period of time, it's, it's the first time for many businesses. Right. And it's, it's never mm-hmm. happened before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think as leaders or as organizations, we may not have all the answers. Right. But what we owe our teams, at least, would be that constant communication. And I yeah. do think that that's that's definitely the most important thing right now. Yeah. So so communication and by the sounds of it, um, proactivity so as you can. You're really getting ahead of this thing. Yeah, which yeah, is obviously challenging think, because it, yeah. it's changing on a daily basis. Mm. And are there any measures that, that Love Bonito is putting in place um, to drive more traffic and keep more on- online customers engaged or any kind of specific technology tools that you're, mm. that you're leveraging more at the moment? Yeah, interest, interesting that, that you're asking this, right? I think it's something mm. that we've been discussing quite a bit internally. Um, and I do think we think about this a little differently, right? I think in this period, especially COVID-19, um, consumer sentiment in general is just a lot weaker, where mm-hmm. sometimes also it may not make sense, right, to artificially try to drive up traffic if mm-hmm. the interest and the willingness to spend is just not there, mm-hmm. where consumers are just not thinking of buying discretionary products, right? Yeah. So what we do instead is to try to um, actually fundamentally tweak our assortment um, to be more thoughtful and strategic in what we're mm-hmm. trying to retail, 
All right, so many for our, many many customers, I guess, know us for our workwear, actually, right? And, and in this period of time, especially workwear, it's probably the last category that you would want to buy. All right, mm-hmm. so what we've tried to do instead would be to push out our comfy essentials, right? Loungewear, for instance, which mm-hmm. we just launched, to just be as relevant yep. and topical as possible. And then this actually just drives consumers to come back, right, quite naturally. Um, I think on the engagement front, we've expanded our content pillars, so in addition okay. to the usual, you know, that's typically a lot more around, let's say, fashion and styling. Um, today, we include a lot more educational content, right, around work-for-home mm-hmm. tips. Things like, you know, cooking tips, baking tips, for instance, um, wellness guides. Um, and just mm-hmm. generally also feel-good content and entertainment. Yep. Because I think, yeah, I think in, in today's time, especially the world, I think our consumers can afford a little more um, positivity, right, right now. Um, so yeah. I, we feel that's important, right? Even if it's just fun, right? If it's just for laughs. I think it's an important um, piece of content to be providing. So it sounds like content really is the key thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's yeah. important, right? I think brands have to take advantage mm. of this time, especially to to just have their place as well, right? And mark their place as mm-hmm. also key opinion leaders, right? Um, be shouting mm-hmm. out messages to consumers. Um, and I do think we have that social responsibility as well. Even as a brand, mm. right? we have a good reach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about, hey, you know, maybe you should stay home because it's not too, not too safe out there, right? Mm. Um, and you should play your part. I think we as brands also um, have our channels, right? And we should mm. also be pay- playing our parts. Have you seen any kind of specific channels responding better at the moment than, than previously? Um, I think, think Instagram, it, it's always that go-to channel for us. Um, and mm. of course, I think we've, we've probably all heard about all the TikTok videos that are trending right now, right? So something, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. new that we're also sort of exploring, um, and just a lot more video content, right? Because everyone has so much more time on their hands. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now we'll see many, many people shopping online for the first time that, that previously weren't, weren't shopping online. Moderate users obviously are going to be increasing their activity. Now now's quite a nice opportunity to bring consumers over to your brand for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything specific that you're doing around, you know, fostering brand loyalty or just just attracting new new consumers that previously potentially weren't shopping online? Yeah, so I, I think, again, I think it boils down to um, providing, being the brand, right, to provide mm-hmm. the content um, and the educational, right, um, help um, yeah. type uh, material on, on our channels, right? So that's what we're trying to do, right? So even if consumers, okay. you know, don't buy into maybe the Love Bonito, didn't used to buy into the Love Bonito dress, right? They can actually mm-hmm. still... Um, use and, and read our work from home tips, for instance, right? I think that's a way to actually just reach out to them um, to start mm-hmm. building that first interaction point that they know, hey, right, I can, although I'm not shopping again from Love Bonito, yep. I can turn to Love Bonito's Instagram page, right, for workout mm-hmm. tips, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. And then slowly, I guess, you know, you get into the top of mind, right? And gradually, yep. I guess that's where we hope that, okay, we can start fostering that relationship um, mm. that they can then start exploring our products over time. Yeah, I guess that's why content's quite powerful because with content you can you can almost start at the end rather than starting at the beginning of the normal yeah. normal approach for for bringing consumers on board. Yeah, precisely. And I think in this time as well, yeah. right, when you're sharing even content about you know maybe how how do you bake a banana cake for instance, right? There is a certain mm-hmm. also shareability to that that yeah. consumers just start sharing, right? Be it through you know on Instagram or through mm-hmm. their WhatsApp channels, and that actually just helps, right? Um, bringing out the yeah. word of mouth effect and that virality as well. And obviously for leaders at the moment, you know, we're, we're all navigating a very unprecedented time. Um, are there any questions you think that, that leaders need to be asking themselves at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's something that's been on my mind. Right? I've been thinking a lot about this um, lately. 
And and to be honest, mm. I guess you know I sort of end up asking the same questions um, that actually evolve around you know the same the same things that I would ask actually on a normal basis, right? It's just amplified. Mm. You're asking questions like, hey, how can I, you know, how can we provide better for our people, right? For our teams, um, how can we mm-hmm. continue to grow the business, right? Just that I think at this point in time, it's just amplified and it's very extreme, right? Um, you're asking mm-hmm. yourself then questions like, how can we be responsible, right? Both to our employees um, and also to our shareholders. Mm-hmm. Um, can you mm. preserve the business, reduce costs, um, maintain enough cash flow, right? To extend the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, while also actually very importantly being responsible employers who are ultimately responsible mm. for the livelihoods right of our teams, um, and I I think it's it's these basic questions right that are that are things that we're constantly asking ourselves. Just wanted to kind of uh, change pace a little bit now. I just wanted yeah. to talk a little bit more about your your passion and your drive. Um, what you know, I, I was interested to know kind of what is your passion, what drives you, and and, and how did you discover it? Mm. Yeah, I, I, interestingly, I've always thought of this word passion, right? Um, actually, as mm. ikigai. So it's a term. Yep. It's a term that I read um, now. I think ten years ago, right? So it's a mm-hmm. Japanese word that essentially means the reason why one wakes up every day, um, and your reason okay. for being. So I, I think I think mine's about, I guess, making an impact. I've always wanted mm-hmm. to to be changed. Um, I've always wanted to make a difference, and mm. and right now in in my journey, right, more. I think it's more in the business side of things, right? In the business world. And I think that's what drives me. Um, I don't think there was, for me, perhaps ever a specific discovery moment or aha moment, mm-hmm. right? But perhaps, you know, it started first in my um, first full-time gig at Zalora. So I think then I realized that, hey, I could make an impact, right? Even as, as a young mm-hmm. person, as a young professional, um, I could bring something unique to the table. Um, and I think for me, that was about, you know, realizing that, hey, I'm actually extremely balanced and individual, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think that was, that's my superpower. Um, okay. And I think it's important, right? I think for all of us to, to sort of identify, you know, what's your superpower, what's your strength? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think what I've discovered that it means is that, you know, I can, you know, be both, you know, sort of art and science, right? I understand the tangibles, right? The intangibles, right? Pretty well. Um, I can be both big picture, right? But detailed mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and mm-hmm. can connect and communicate right, with very, very diverse types of teams, right? be it creative teams or even like data teams. Um, okay. So I think from then on, I knew that, you know, in addition to having this um, passion, right, to be mm. changed, right, to make an impact, I knew concretely, I think, just back then that I had the ability to do so, which I think mm-hmm. was important, right, because this then fueled, yep. fueled a lot more of my passion. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's something we don't talk too much about, right, where you know, mm. a lot of times I think it's also that unique combination of both passion, right, and strengths, right? And, and that yeah. actually makes you um, enjoy, right? I think the things you do a lot more as well. It sounds like as well you've got a really big passion for people. You know, obviously you're working with such a diverse range of people. Uh, you're also looking, you know, as, as passion as the main thing when you're recruiting. Um, yeah. And it, what and is it that you enjoy the most yeah. about working with people? You know, you're right. You cannot impact and change things alone. And when it comes to really mobilizing change, it has to always start with people. And I really enjoy building a team because you have to think about all the different types of people, you know, how they fit, how they come together, how they complement one another, right? And, and just how they vibe. And it's so complex. It's never black and white, which is what keeps it super interesting. And what I love most is when, you know, we get to work, not just as colleagues, but as a work fam. 
And it's those moments, especially in crisis, in a long night of work, for instance, when I actually realize how much I enjoy it because you're able to have fun, have a laugh with your team, or, you know, sometimes even have a disagreement and then still be able to share a laugh and a drink after. And that's the best feeling. How are you looking to use this moment to invest in yourself? Obviously, we've got a little bit more time than we normally would. Not so many flights to catch, uh, not mm -hmm. so many meetings to attend to in person. Mm -hmm. So are you, are you doing anything at the moment to, to invest in yourself? Yes, um, I'm trying to. I mean, there's still a lot of meetings, right? So everything, everything that's mm. physical, I guess you just have constant like hangout or mm. Zoom calls. Um, but, yeah. but I think, but I think I'm, I'm really trying to maximize it, right? Because usually I'm always in the office um, pulling pretty long hours, right? So this work from mm. home change, it, it's, a, it's a pretty refreshing breath of fresh air for me. I actually managed to clock in, a, try to do a workout every day. Sometimes actually two okay. workouts because there's actually no okay. commute time. And then you get bored like midway. Um, so I tr mm. really try to milk it, right? I do a run outdoors. Um, now I guess the parks are still open, right? So again, just mm -hmm. trying to milk it for now. Um, yeah, so I, I think what I like about it so far is that, you know, I think a lot of times I think when you're busy with your day-to-day, -day, you don't stop, you don't observe yeah. the stuff around you, right? Like I was just running by the parks that day and like you notice that, hey, I've never actually noticed, right, that, you know, I, I guess even like the flora and fauna, right? It looks so nice, mm -hmm. right? There is a mangrove swamp in the middle of the park where I'm staying at. And I've never really mm. noticed it. Um, so I, I think just, you know, taking these moments to, to just notice the beauty around you and, you know, life a lot more. Yeah, and then just taking the time as well, you know, to do more reading, right? You have that time now. Again, there's mm. no commuting. Um, definitely trying to eat better now, right? Having my meals yeah. on time, on schedule. Um, and I think most importantly, also just, just seeing things half cup full, right? So mm -hmm. for me, I think that that's just how I'm investing, how I'm investing a lot of my time, right? And, and brain space and, and mental space as well, right? Tuning out the negativity, right? Mm -hmm. um, so why not, right? Make the best out of the situation and, and do things that you've never had the time to do before. Yeah, I guess if you're not coming out of this with a new experience, some new skills. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, think, yeah. I think for businesses as well and companies, right? I think mm -hmm. what we were discussing internally as well as a team was that, you know, it's very interesting. It makes you think of, you know, new ways of working, right? I think in mm -hmm. the past, maybe even things like remote working, right? Having yep. work from home days. Um, at times, I guess we also weren't that flexible about it, right? But then mm. as you do this as well, you realize that, hey, right? I think for certain pieces of work, for instance, if you're working on a strap piece, maybe an Excel model, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of teams are actually far more efficient, right? At home. And maybe we could be a lot more flexible as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it actually, you know, gives companies something to think about, especially for even like working mothers, for instance, mm. um, who can actually really benefit right from this from this period as well. Yeah. Do you think the kind of traditional office will will go back to the way it was? No, I don't think so. I think mm. it will it will change drastically. Right. I think that that's something that we're still trying to wrap our heads around, trying to mm -hmm. figure out. Um, yeah, I think it will really change. And I think companies perhaps, you know, can even maximize office spaces a lot more. Mm. Right. Um, minimize, I guess, rental costs as well. Right. If you're thinking of hot desking. Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I think that will definitely change quite a bit. Yeah. Any work from home hacks? No, I think still continue to do what you're usually doing. Right. I always start okay. my day again with a to do list. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, I think another hack and not just saying it because, you know, I think we're from Love Bonito. Right. Um, mm. and I'm working here, but I think it's important to dress well. Yeah. I, I think that really helps. Right. It puts you in the right frame of mind. Right. For a meeting. Um, and, and I think that helps. It gives you that confidence as well. Um, and it also forces you to be a lot more professional and you're not just sort of slobbing it out from home. And I yeah. think that's important. Yeah. And so, um, as we kind of move towards the end of the interview, 
I thought it'd be interesting if you could share with us, you know, one of the biggest mistakes you've made in your career. Um, how did it feel and, and what did you learn from it? I think, I think for me, probably um, not, not one mistake per se, right? I think it was a mm -hmm. whole period of time. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I've always been quite a loner, right? Which means that I mm -hmm. naturally tend to prefer to just do things alone, right? Be alone with my yep. thoughts, right? Go alone at things. Um, and at the start of my career, even, you know, till like the last probably couple of years, um, I went alone at it. I never reached out for mm -hmm. help, um, never okay. asked questions from my peers, right? Never looked for mentors as well. And perhaps, yeah, mm -hmm. I was young, I was immature, um, but I've learned that, you know, I think over time, hey, no man, right? No woman is an island, right? Sure, mm -hmm. it is your own career, but you don't have to be at it alone. And I learned that, you know, you get, you get stronger, right? When you open your, your ears, right? Your eyes, through stuff mm. around you, your heart, listening, just listening and learning from the people around you. Um, and it doesn't mean, you know, I think for me, very importantly as well, um, it doesn't mean, you know, just learning from maybe more, you know, more experienced, mm. right? Mentors or external advisors from, from outside. Um, but mm -hmm. a lot of times actually just learning from your team, right? Mm -hmm. When I get to observe, you know, hey, alternate ways of leadership, right? Alternate ways of conflict management, um, different points of views. And I yep. think that has really sharpened my skills, um, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I guess two, three, four heads are always better than one. Yeah. 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 For <laughs> yeah. sure. Right. And just, and yeah. just seeking like other opinions. Mm. Um, and of course, I think that's why I think it, it for me, it took time, right? I think um, you need a certain level of um, maturity, right? I think sometimes also humility mm -hmm. um, that maybe to be yep. honest, I didn't have, right? Um, when I was sort of like mm -hmm. rah-rah about it, right? Really young and like just trying to get ahead in my career, um, you know, five, six years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. Do you think that's the key around leadership? Maturity, humility, empathy, obviously working with the team. Is that, is, is that what you kind of think is, is the key? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think that's important, right? I think that mm. that empathy, um, that openness, um, mm. you know, I think that, that compassion, right? I think definitely, mm. right? I think important. Um, and I think, and I think very importantly as well, I think that, you know, authenticity, right? Just being yourself. Because yeah. I, I do yeah. think, I think people, people will know, right? If you're being fake about something, if you're just being mm -hmm. inauthentic about something, right? If you don't want yeah. to talk um, with something that you're saying. Um, so mm. I, I think that that's, that's super key. Mm. Sometimes it's tough to be yourself though, right? People, people <laughs> worry that, that, that they won't be liked if they're themselves. They have to be, you know, this strange animal yeah. in someone else's skin. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right, right? I think sometimes it, sometimes it is difficult, right? And I think as as leaders or, or even just as individuals, a lot of times you doubt yourself, right? You're not sure, like, okay, if I'm acting a certain way, is it is it the right way? Is it the best way? You need to find a leadership style, um, a managerial style that just works for you, um, mm. that you can actually carry through authentically, right, over yeah. time. Do you have any closing thoughts for for the listeners out there, those current and aspiring leaders out there listening to the show? Um, don't think I have any final words of wisdom, right? But I think, you know, always, always be yourself, right? Yep. And I think especially in, in this period of time, um, be brave, right? Be positive mm. um, during this period. And I think that will, that will get you through. Diane, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Uh, really, really good to talk to you firsthand. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your wisdom with the Digital Transformation and Leadership listeners. And uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Danny. You've been listening to the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. I'm Danny Levy, and next time we'll have another senior executive talking us through their leadership story 
and all things digital transformation. Until then, take care.